Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 59, Smile. If you remember, last week we pondered upon Jacob's praising of God's infinite atonement. He said, Oh, the wisdom of God, His mercy and grace. Oh, how great the goodness of our God. Oh, how great the plan of our God. Oh, the greatness and the justice of our God. Oh, the greatness of the mercy of our God. Oh, how great the holiness of our God. Were you able to ponder on any of these last week? Were you able to see the holiness of God? To see how morally and spiritually excellent He is? To love this about Him and then develop a desire to become holy yourself. To strive to be holy is to set ourselves apart from the world, to dedicate or consecrate ourselves to Him and to His ways. It is to put off the natural man and embrace the divine man. The natural man is the opposite of God in desires, in conduct or discipline, in values, and even in purpose. And Jacob, starting in verse 27 of 2 Nephi chapter 9, warns us against some of the natural man's tendencies. And you can always know when a prophet in the scriptures means business, or when he's really warning you against something, because he uses the word woe. So we went from O's to the woes. Woe unto him that has the law given. Yea, and that has all the commandments of God, like unto us, and that transgresseth them, and that wasteth the days of his probation, for awful is his state. Jacob clearly goes on to warn us against the natural man's tendencies to be vain, to be frail, and to be foolish. He says, when they are learned, they think they are wise, and they hearken not unto the counsels of God, for they set it aside, supposing they know of themselves. Wherefore, their wisdom is foolishness, and it profiteth them not. I think the low-hanging fruit of interpretation for this scripture would be to point to those who have contended with the doctrines of the church, who believe that they are wise, have a better intellect and an understanding of the workings of men in this world, and who then leave the church because of it. And you know, that's not hard to see and that's not hard to relate, but I don't believe that this is the only application for this scripture. Look deeper. Forgiveness and resolving conflict comes to my mind. How many of us feel entitled to our grudges? We feel that we are the exception to the Lord's rule to forgive, that we found the loophole. Or how many of us believe we have found the exception to the commandment, love thy neighbor? He wasn't talking about our neighbors. No one could love them. Or how many of us give into our own wisdom and believe that we don't earn enough to pay tithing? It's there on our spreadsheet. It's not possible. 
That's our own wisdom. Or our feelings take precedence over the charge to be modest in appearance, in presentation, in words, in thoughts, and in consumption. Our wisdom can build us a very slippery slide of pride for us where we find ourselves in opposition to God and to our fellow men, developing enmity towards both. Jacob states that to be learned is good if they hearken unto the counsels of God. He goes on to say, Woe unto the rich, who are rich as to the things of this world. For because they are rich, they despise the poor, and they persecute the meek, and their hearts are upon their treasures, wherefore their treasure is their God. Woe unto the deaf that will not hear. Woe unto the blind that will not see. Woe unto the circumcised of heart. Or in other words, those who have not repented and taken opportunity to be cleansed through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Woe unto the liar. Woe unto the murderer who deliberately killeth. Woe unto them who commit whoredoms. Woe unto those that worship idols. And I'm curious, what are your idols? What is taking your attention away from attaching yourself to the Lord? Is it Netflix? (laughs) Is it adrenaline seeking? Is it alone time? How about comfort? Is it your pride? Is it your envyings of other people and what they have or what their experiences are compared to yours? Is it your money? Is it your personal ambitions? None of these are wrong in and of themselves. But if they are taking you away from God, if they are consuming your time where you can't quite serve him fully, if they are truly what you love or they are what you are turning to for comfort or to feel your worth, then you may want to take note of that. For listen to what Jacob says after he warns about worshiping idols. For the devil of all devils delighteth in them. And of course he would. Anything that distracts you from your true power source, anything that helps you distance yourself from the reminder of your true identity and purpose, anything that will keep you small, he loves. And finally, woe unto all those who die in their sins, for they shall return to God and behold his face and remain in their sins. And after all that the Lord has done for us, that would be a shame. The natural man is within all of us. It is in our thoughts and our feelings purposefully, not to shame us or to cause us to give in to defeat before we ever even have a chance to get started, but to give us the opportunity to start choosing. How else would we develop humility if we didn't need to choose to be teachable? to learn a better way, to learn a selfless way. How would we find the power in being meek if we didn't feel the danger of rage? How would our hearts truly open and accept the Savior if we didn't choose to hear and follow His better way? We are all on a lifetime pursuit. This isn't just a one chance thing. It's a lifetime pursuit to put off the natural man and to become holy. Because Jacob teaches to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded 
is life eternal. Or in other words, smile. S-M-I-L-E. Okay, now I wish I could take credit for that brilliance, but I can't. (laughs) A few years ago, I had been watching the BYU TV discussions on the Book of Mormon, and I was taught to be spiritually minded is life eternal. Smile. And what a fantastic acronym that is to apply to the plan of happiness. And these teachers on the program that teach at BYU then showed me how, just like Jacob had described the six characteristics of God and his plan, now Jacob, in descending order, is going to show us six ways how to pattern ourselves after the Lord's characteristics and move towards holiness. And each of these bullet points begin with either, Oh my brethren, or my brethren. So when you're in the scriptures and you're reading this chapter, underline, Oh, my brethren, or my brethren, to give you a hint to compare that to the oh, how greats that were before the woes. So we go from O's to woes back to O's. Got that? So to be spiritually minded is to put off the natural man tendencies within us and to choose holiness. And I see that the remaining five tell us how we go about such a task. He says, Oh, my beloved brethren, give ear to my words. And then he counsels us to not revile against the truth, to not revile against his words. They're the maker's words. And he gives us a little measuring stick, a thermometer, if you will, to take our temperature and to see where we're at. He says, the words of truth are hard against all uncleanness, but the righteous fear them not, for they love the truth and are not shaken. And you know what? (laughs) This is truth. I see this manifest in all of our insecurities and our conflicts with one another. When there is a part of us that believes that maybe we were out of line, When we believe that there is a possibility that we have been harsh or that we may have mistreated someone or we may have judged wrong, we can take the truth when it's presented to us. We can take it hard. We want to justify our actions. You see it when you're trying to convince others that you just had no choice but to act that way. And we want to present our evidence to show how an apology or repentance is not necessary, that our behavior or our reactions were appropriate. But those who may have erred, but have a righteous, sincere heart, they heed the counsel and they course correct without any drama. They don't take the truth to be hard. In fact, you know, they just humbly accept, yeah, okay, I I could have done that or Or, okay, I stand corrected. I now hear truth and I'm going to course correct. So how can we allow the greatness of the mercy of our God to deliver us from that awful monster, the devil, and death and hell if we don't heed his words, if we don't love his truth? Oh, my beloved brethren, come unto the Lord. Remember that his paths are righteous Behold, the way for man is narrow, but it lieth in a straight course before him. And the keeper of the gate is the Holy One of Israel. 
and he employeth no servant there. And there is none other way save it be by the gate, for he cannot be deceived, for the Lord God is his name. I love the phrase in that scripture, he employeth no servant there. He isn't deferring his responsibilities to someone else. That would be so disappointing if he did. I've come all this way. I've done everything I can to attach myself to him. And then he isn't even there to personally let me in. He's assigned that job to Joe. And you know, Joe is okay, but he isn't Jesus Christ. And is Joe following the rules? I'm going to question. I don't know. Is he just letting anyone in? Is Joe's judgment sound? I would wonder. But no, there is no need to worry about that. Jesus Christ will be the keeper of the gate, and he cannot be deceived because he is just. Just like what Jacob said about him, Oh, the greatness and the justice of our God, for he executeth all his words, and they have gone forth out of his mouth, and his law must be fulfilled. Okay, how about this one? Oh, my beloved brethren, remember my words. And then Jacob warns his people to prepare for judgment. And he makes a point to say that he shakes his garments before them to shake their iniquities from his soul. I always get a little concerned when I read that in the scriptures. It sounds dramatic, but you know, when I stop and think about it, to be a prophet or a leader must be a very heavy burden to carry. To always be thinking, how can I teach and inspire my fellow men to come unto Christ? How can I complete my responsibility towards my people and my God? But we must remember that judgment is a part of God's plan. And his plan is great. Jacob told us so. And I agree with him. Without the judgment, how would we even receive our reward? We need it. How would we be reconciled? How else would we obtain that robe of righteousness that we're going after? I think we focus a lot on the filthiness that we accrue throughout in an unrepentant life. And that's necessary, I know. Yet I do think we glide too quickly over our righteous acts that we are also going to remember if that's what we're engaged in. Remember, the judgment will be a recollection of our filthiness and our cleanness. We're going to remember those faithful moments, those sacrificing moments, those moments of lift that you gave to others, those moments of choosing Jesus Christ and aspiring to be like him. Those soul-searching moments when you were asking yourself, what would Jesus do? Those moments that you chose to love when the world would have justified hate. Those moments that you chose to smile or to be spiritually minded instead of carnally minded. Those are going to be great moments to remember. And God's plan gives us the chance to do so. Oh, my beloved brethren, turn away from your sins. Shake off the chains that would bind you fast. God is so good, sister scriptorians. 
because he shows us how we can shake off these chains. He lets us know it's possible. It is no secret. We are invited. He is always inviting us to come unto that God who is the rock of our salvation. When we do so, when we attach ourselves to him and allow him to clean us up and to set us aright through his atonement, we do shake off chains that bind us and we are set free. He has provided us the escape plan from the awful monster if we choose to abide by it. He is so good. And finally, Jacob says unto his people, My beloved brethren, remember the words of your God. Pray unto him continually by day and give thanks unto his holy name by night. Let your hearts rejoice. That is how we achieve the smile. Spiritually minded is life eternal. Prayer and expressing gratitude unto his holy name. Pray to him that is merciful and full of grace. To he who is going to treat you better than you deserve and who has the power to rescue you, attach yourselves to that. Accept that invitation. Follow him who can do all of that for you. And the Lord says that this is how you work towards holiness. Become spiritually minded. Love truth. Get yourself on the path that is straight and knock when you get to the gate and he is going to open it for you. Prepare for the judgment. You have the power. You have the power to determine what that experience is going to be like. So make sure you create a good one. Shake off the chains of him who would bind you down. And how do you do this? By coming unto God and repenting, and then pray. Pray continually, giving thanks, and let your heart rejoice. A cute neighbor of mine told me of another cute neighbor's observation of why is it that we are that we might have joy, yet this is the commandment we break most often. (laughs) I don't know. That's a really good question. So let's get on that. I challenge you to smile. Sister Scriptorians, this week, work on your smile, the kind that helps you to be spiritually minded, the kind that is life eternal. Love truth. Stay on the path. Repent. Come unto Jesus. Pray continually and with thanksgiving. And then let your heart rejoice. Have a good day.